Hello and welcome to Startup Dads. I'm Amrit Santhirasanan, CEO of a high-grade startup, father to a young daughter. Join me as I speak to ultra-successful parent founders, venture capitalists and investors to take a look at the world through their eyes and uncover the lives, drives and strategies of parents and business. We're here to show you that you can grow a thriving business and happy family at the same time. Joining me today is Ashley Cornelius, the founder of Localize, a geolocal social network which aims to connect businesses with patrons in their local area. He's also a proud father to Amelie and Luna. Listen in to hear how Ashley's personal journey to becoming a parent tied in with his decision to take the startup plunge. You'll learn about launching a high street startup in a pandemic and what it's like to preach to the converted versus doing the converting. As always, it's great to hear from you all, so do leave me a comment or send a DM on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. Alternatively, reach me on LinkedIn at Amrit Santharasanan, and I promise to get back to you. All right, let's get into the episode. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Ashley Cornelius to the show. Ashley, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Nice to be here. Great. So, Ashley, what makes you a startup dad? I have two children. Uh, I'm the, the founder and CEO of a company called Localize, and we are a mobile app created to support and promote the independent business landscape and we do that by you know localize is built kind of within a, a social media framework we try to leverage the public to promote their their own high street and get rewarded whilst doing that it's absolutely awesome so when did family life uh, interlock with startup journey were you a dad before you were a startup dad or uh, you were a startup dad after a startup uh, founder do you know, it's quite an interesting um, point for me. So my background, my background's in the investment banking world, which I'm, I'm sure we'll touch upon that in, in a bit. But I came up with the idea for Localize back in 2013. It just, it seems crazy to, to say that it's so many years ago. But at the time when I came up with the idea, I was actually working for a US investment bank called Goldman Sachs, um, which I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of. Now, Goldman's are a wonderful, uh, were a wonderful company to work for at that stage. You know, I was in my 20s. I really wanted to build my corporate career and climb that ladder and get promoted and all those kind of things. And that's, that's what drove me. But I came up with the, the concept of Localize. And during that time, I, I'd been, I got married in 2011. And my wife and I obviously wanted to have a family and have children. And when you're growing up, you assume that these things just come very quickly you'll meet the woman or the man, you'll have some children and everything goes to plan. In reality, that's that's not the case. So my wife and I would tried for a, quite a while to, to have some children and it, it wasn't working out. So we actually went through an IVF journey. Our first daughter, Emily, um, she was the result of seven years of IVF. So you can imagine that working for a company like Goldman Sachs, which um, amazing to work for, brilliant opportunities but they take their pound of flesh right and you might you hear stories of the hours that you work at Goldman Sachs but it's also the intensity that comes with that so you might do a 12 or 15 hour day but you'll probably fit 17 or 20 hours worth of work into that day because it's really intense and you know they're a high achieving company etc and when you're there you just want to be part of that machine and, and you don't mind putting that in and going that extra mile and everyone around you is supportive and productive and it's, it's a great atmosphere but at that time I didn't want to be a dad that left for work in the morning, don't see your children, come home at night, don't see your children. So I stopped working at Goldman's, came up with a concept for localised, and I started working sort of on a contract basis, um, still within the banking industry, because that was allowing me to, to self-fund the early editions, the early versions of localised. However, with working for an investment bank, 
whichever investment bank it is, trying to run a startup and going through a very expensive IVF journey. It was just too much. It was too much to handle. And I, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to put my all into the things that I do. So I, I put Localize aside for a number of years um, so I could focus on, on having my family. Various different types of IVF um, that we tried at our clinic. And eventually we fell pregnant. You know, it was, it was a very emotional journey, a very expensive journey. And, you know, especially for my wife who has to have the, the drugs put in her. And, you know, we went through sad stages of that journey. You have miscarriages, etc. And And I just wanted to put all my energy into supporting my family with my main job and, and trying, you know, supporting my wife and going through this IVF journey. And, you know, there's a happy ending. We got my daughter, Amelie, at the end of that, which I'm forever, you know, thankful for and feel so blessed. And then you hear this all the time. Very quickly after Amelie was born, we had our second daughter, naturally, um, which was just the most amazing and wonderful welcome surprise. So now we have Amelie, who is four, and we have Luna, who's two and a half. They're, they're 20 months apart. And so we really went from my wife and I sort of starting to get to the point where the question is, is this going to happen for us? Do we need to look at other alternatives? Do we talk about adoption, et cetera? And my wife's one of two girls. So she always, her dream was to have two girls. So we went from thinking we were never, this wasn't going to happen to having exactly what we wanted. And it was just the most amazing, amazing thing. So after a long-winded answer, but after my daughters were born, it was time for me to write focus on localize because I, I so believed in what we wanted to build and what we were trying to achieve. So I went back to localize and restarted the journey from there. That's an amazing story. Congratulations is, is a completely kind of understatement of the century. Like what a heroic journey. And as you say, I think I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but your partner in the journey that you go on, you, you know, your wife in this case is just such a critical part of everything you do. I imagine it's a key part to localize as well. But having been through that, I imagine, you know, localize probably feels easy at times. I'm, it never, no, a startup never feels easy, but you know, what you have been through together and the base you've built probably in some ways is something that gives you extra strong foundations. Is that, is that fair? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of these people that I truly and, and genuinely believe that everything happens for a reason. And I believe that everything happens at the right time and when it's meant to. And there, there were various things going on in, in our lives, I guess, that just wasn't, it wasn't our time to have children at that point. You know, everyone changes as they get older. Um, you mature, your aspirations in life change, the things that you value in life change. You know, I mentioned that I, I loved working for Goldman's and my career was my objective and, and you know earning that money etc but as you get older you value different things in life and the way that I raise my children now is based around that that new model of my of my values and it's not so focused on money material things it's more focused on what actually matters in in the world and that's helping other people and trying to make a positive impact and supporting others and just really being kind and, and showing compassion and I was meant to bring my children into a world of parenting where those values were were paramount. And so, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And I feel just so lucky and so blessed that we did that journey, we learned from it, and we ended up where we needed to be. So, yeah, feel very lucky. I think it's, I just think it's a heroic story. It's amazing. And thank you for sharing your journey. I think, you know, I want to ask a little bit, if I may, about how your perspective shifted. The idea of working in banking and then the transition between being a highly impact-focused startup founder uh, and working in, you know, what is, for better or worse, often judged as a relatively mercenary field, that must have been a really interesting transition for you. And can I ask, so, you know, is it a case that what you thought about with your family drove the transition or did the transition kind of come at the point where you were looking to start a family? Like, how did that unwind? 
I think it all happened at the same time, really. You know, I think personally I went through some changes and I, I you know, I went from really enjoying working in that banking environment to really, you know, you mentioned that word mercenary and it's a cutthroat environment. And I didn't just want my legacy or my impact on the world just to be working in the banking industry, making a load of other shareholders even richer than they already are. I'm not here to diss the industry or anything like that. It served me well and I had a good time when I was there. But personally, my desires and my needs changed and, you know, I needed to make a difference. I needed to do something that paid back to the world and and I wanted my children to see that. So I think it, it all kind of came together at the right time. And now obviously working from home, being at home the whole time and having them around and getting to spend that time with them, which is something I think is so valuable and something that if I was probably still in the banking industry, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. But I think for personally, I think going to work and earning earning that money and driving that career because I thought that was the best for my children wasn't the best for children. I think time with those children is the best input you can give them. And so, you know, I think a lot of people have these careers and think that that's the best thing for their children to bring them up with that, maybe the financial support, which is, don't get me wrong, it's obviously it's really important, but having that opportunity to have the time in those early years and really give input and not just having mum input into the children every day, but dad input into the children every day as well. I think that's so important. As you've said, one of the biggest things I think when you have a child, you realise is time is finite, right? And I think it's one of those things that you totally don't realise earlier on in your career. Like you, I worked in the city, not the same level of intensity with investment banking, but certainly kind of, you know, city hours. Uh, didn't think much of a 12-hour day, like you say, back in the day. Uh, and you realise that, you know, the most precious thing you have is time. And I think if we can make sure to remember that actually there are certain things that have come out of the pandemic that are net positives, life's too short to take everything very seriously. You learn that as a founder, I think, quite quickly, actually. But I certainly realise that, you know, the highs and lows you feel as a CHA founder, if you take them all very seriously all the way through, life starts to get pretty grim quite quickly. Do you know what? It, you're absolutely right. And it's a real challenge. And I'm someone, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm quite an emotional person. And there's been points over the last year where, you know, it has affected me and I felt quite down. But it's one of those things where you'll have a call or an email will pop in and you'll feel down. And then you'll two minutes later, you have a really positive email pop in and then you're on top of the world again. So it's really, you know, peaks and troughs. And yeah, it's been an emotional journey, but it's been educational. And you, you kind of over that time, I've kind of learned to try and be a bit more balanced and, and be a bit more robust and when you get one of those negative emails it's not the end of the world and you'll you'll know Amrit, as a as a founder you put your heart and soul into a product and it then becomes an extension of yourself and if you pitch your product to someone and someone says oh I don't like that product you can take it very personally and it's, it's almost as if they're telling you I don't like you you have to detach yourself and realize listen you're never going to please everyone in the world all of the time and that is what it is. And that's something that you have to try and get into your mindset very quickly. Otherwise, you, like you said, it can become a very dark place and you can take that rejection on personally. And you should never do that. There are a small amount of products that will serve everyone in the world, right? They've all got their target market and, and not everyone's going to be your target market. And you have to accept that to help you to help your mindset and to help you move on. Yeah, completely so. And I think one of the lessons that really stuck with me earlier is a tweet, <laughs> like many of the very valuable fortune cookie style lessons that you can learn nowadays via Twitter, which I find very helpful, was to spend 
less time worrying about trying to preach to convert people at the beginning and spend more time preaching to the converted. You know, the energy you expend on either one of those things is very different. And the payoff you can get from going out there and finding like-minded people versus going to people who you're not sure and trying to convert them, it, that was a really valuable lesson for us. And actually, you know what, we're still at the journey. You know, we're an enterprise technology company, so a far cry from the amazing, slightly more accessible impact that Localize is making. But And so it can sometimes be harder to do that. But it is a very valuable lesson. And I can often look back on when we've spent time, like you say, talking to people who we're not sure actually are actually going to like or work with our product and the highs and lows you get out of that versus the energy I've expended finding similar like-minded people and the success and happiness that's come from that. Definitely. And it's an interesting point because I think people are very fickle and people are like sheep. So if you spend that time on the people that like your products, the people that didn't like your product will probably end up following them anyway once you get to that take up and stuff. So yeah, it's a really good point and, and that's a really useful tip. We've already covered lots of things that I really wanted to talk to you about, you know, setting up Localize, how its journey's been. I'm fascinated to know how your life has changed. You've now kind of really lit the fire under Localize, right? You're all in on it. The world is shifting around us. Small business, what actually it means for small business. I can imagine your mission about what the high street was going to be like and making it succeed. The role of the high street is changing now. So what's your life been like and how has it been as a founder kind of navigating the change in the world for your family, as much as it has been for Localize, how has that kind of unraveled? I think I'll start by saying that, you know, I'm, I'm very, very passionate about Localize and what we're trying to do. And I've always been passionate about it. And my wife sees that passion. And hopefully, you know, the people that, that I work with and, and our partners can see that passion as well. And it's part of what drives them to work with us. But me leaving the banking industry to start a startup was a big risk especially when you've got two children and you've got responsibilities and a mortgage and a car and, and all the sorts of things that you have to pay for that modern life kind of demands. Um, it was a big jump and it was a big risk. It's one of those things as well, actually, where I think I put off going for investment for a while because of that very thing we just talked about, being so attached to a product. I didn't want to hear rejection. It puts you off of taking those steps. We bit the bullet eventually in, sort of, I think, October, November 2019, and um, we managed to secure that seed round of investment, which I just feel so incredibly fortunate to have done. These things take time. You have to go through the due diligence and the paperwork and the T's and C's, et cetera. And where we found ourselves was April 2020, all the paperwork was signed off. And I think we were two or three weeks into lockdown. So I've got five angels that are, you know, have clubbed together to put investment into my company and we're having a call to say, right, actually, we're literally about to transfer you some money to help promote and support the high street. There's no bugger open. There's yeah. no high street. Yeah. So it was kind of a, I won't say it was a touch and go moment. The thought did cross my mind, you know, what's going to happen here? But thankfully, the angels believed in the product that we we're trying to build, believed in the team um, and showed commitment and faith in what we were trying to do. And, you know, we had the conversation and I kind of explained, look, you know, you know that thing that we're trying to promote and we're trying to do in terms of helping independent business owners, that's about to get a massive surge of support from the rest of the country at some point in the next year when we come out of this. So I don't think this is a bad thing for Localize. I think this is a good thing for Localize. This is opportunity for us to, you know, we really want to help. And this just gives us a larger opportunity to get ourselves into that space and offer that help when people need it the most, you know, we're out of lockdowns now. I don't know if there's any more coming, but we're out of lockdown now and we're, we're due to be in the app store in, in, a, in a couple of weeks, etc. So 
I feel like the timing has, has been has been good for us on our journey. Of course, I didn't want anyone to go into that situation where they're locked down and businesses are closing and furlough payments are needed, etc. That's awful. But if we can help those businesses, then that's what we're here to do. And so, yeah, so the funding, it was a little bit hairy for a time, but very pleased that um, the guys showed their commitment and showed their faith. And we kicked on in starting to develop the app through, through last year. You strike me as one of these incredibly calm very unfathomable people. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe we can peel beneath the surface a little bit and, and hear about, you know, how's it been, you know, seed stage journeys are really quite highs and lows, I found. 100%. I think something that I've learned myself is, I mean, working for an investment bank is pressure, is stress. There are heart-in-your-mouth moments when you're dealing with clients and, you know, you're talking of hundreds of millions of pounds worth of client assets and stuff. But there's always a team around you of experts. There's always a manager above you, an MD on the floor. There's people that are there to support and help you with these things. And I think something that I've I've realised over the course of last year is buck stops with me with Localize. If it goes right or if it goes wrong, buck stops with me. And like I mentioned earlier on, I've tried to I've tried to become a more robust or take a more robust approach to the challenges and this is my first startup experience. So we've had challenges last year. We've had some big challenges and we've made some things have gone really right. Some things have gone really wrong, not always down to our own choices, etc. Some things just don't work out the way you plan. They're going to work out because of whatever factor plays a part, but you just have to keep going. You have to keep that belief and you have to keep that passion. And I think something that I've taken good comfort in is getting a, a team of people around me to help support me on that. I fully realized that, you know, buck stops with me but I have a team around me now of people that I can rely on and I think something actually that I didn't have a challenge with it wasn't an issue for me is is realizing that you don't know everything and I'm very conscious of that and if I don't know everything and I need some expertise in a certain area then I'll need to get someone who does know everything to fill those gaps in I'm not going to try and hold everything together myself um, and so we've got a little, you know, we're, we're a few people in the team now where I use freelancers and contractors and some people are just part time and they're based all around the world because of this new way of working. You don't have to recruit people who are immediately local to you. So getting that support network around you, is, I think, is a really good, good idea and has really helped me. And if something comes up, a challenge comes up, you know, you might get an email in and you think, oh, no, how do I deal with this? I've got people around me that I can run this past and get their support. And I found that really, really valuable as part of the journey and as you move on new challenges will come up and that's when you know you need to bring new people in but saying that I think it's, it's very important to keep as lean as you can for as long as you can so you're keeping your runway as long as possible and making the most of that money that you've got to, to build your dream you know yeah yeah totally and I think you know one thing that comes up on this show and people talk about it a lot and speaking very honestly to you I found it difficult at the beginning uh not because I think I knew everything but I'm just quintessentially British in the way that I find it hard to ask people for help. But one thing that comes up consistently from the successful founders I talk to is that you, you, you should always ask for help. Lots of the problems that you've been through, someone has been through before, and it's just go talk to them. Two things will happen. One, you'll feel better from having heard other people be through these things. And two, you know, you'll be able to learn from their mistakes. And, the, you know, one of the things I often get asked now from early stage founders asking for advice from me, I'm like, well, the best advice I can give you is to share as many of the mistakes that I made <laughs> as humanly possible. Because, you know, uh, I really love that phrase. I don't know if you've heard it, which is this like the adaptation of a Tolstoy quote, I think. It's just like, all startups that fail, fail in a very similar way. But all startups that succeed are often successful in different ways. 
Uh, and I think, you know, you can learn huge amounts Like you touched on managing your runway, you know, talking to people for help building a network, sharing the things that I should have done earlier is something that I'm really, uh, really, really keen to do because you're absolutely right. There's lots of people out there who can help us. Absolutely. And it's been a, it's, it's a huge learning curve for me. I continue to learn to learn every day. When it gets hard, how have you found the carryover and how have you managed to keep things balanced and keep things compartmentalised between family life and uh, work life? Because as you said, it's very different. The sort of pressure, you touched on this, it's something I wanted to ask you about. There's banking in this city finance world intensity and then there's startup intensity. And, you know, it's not just about ours, right? It's about that feeling of responsibility that you feel that you just talked about. How have you found it when things have gone wrong and you've gone home? Hard question, I know. Do you know what? I would say that I'm someone who tries to focus on mental wellness and well-being generally. I do meditate every now and then, not as much as I should do, um, just because you you get so busy. And even if my wife might not have the answers to the problems that we come across, etc., I use her as a sounding board. And sometimes she might just look at me blankly and kind of just give me a a not very helpful answer. But just offloading that and, and putting it out there sometimes just helps. And I think... I've always been someone that, when I worked in the city, I, I lived in I live in Kent. I've had an hour and a half train journey from the city to get home, and in that time, I completely used to just shut down from work and, and lose work. So when I walk in the door, I'm never stressed about work or anything that I faced in the daytime when I worked in the banking world. And I think that's something that's probably served me well because I do find it um, it's not too much of a challenge for me to switch into family mode and say right, leave the laptop go to the park with the children and I won't be thinking about work because I'm so absorbed in my children. Um, you know, just being very conscious of mental well-being and taking the time out to reflect and give yourself some time is very, very important. And, you know, I think mental health is something that's probably suffered hugely through the last 18 months. I think being aware of your own mental health is half the battle. I think a lot of people just trundle through and go through these things and don't even realise that they are probably suffering and just bottling it all up and taking it all on. Being aware you have a mental health that you need to look after is, is half that battle. And you mentioned just now, I sound like a very calm person. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been, you know, it's been an emotional journey. And there are times when it's been really up and it's really great and really down and it's not so great. You just try and make, make the best of it, right? 100%. And I think, you know, what you're saying there, that partitioning, a disciplined or or natural approach, whether you teach it or you've got it naturally about partitioning your your day is just so key. It's so key. It's, it's hard to do. Uh, I think lots of lessons to learn to take away there. So actually, I'd like to ask you the question I ask every guest now, uh, which is what's the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey on entrepreneurship so far that you want to pass on to your kids? Do you know what? I think it's, it's self-belief, right? Self-belief. If you've got a passion and a desire to do something and make it work, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Have that belief, have that confidence in yourself because more and more increasingly in the modern world, anything's possible. I think you take your chances and you go into it with everything and you give it everything you can and believe in what you're doing. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? Lots of things don't work out. But if you give it your all and you try, 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 then you've done all you can. And lots of times when you're on these journeys, things pivot, right? You pick up other things and it leads you onto other journeys and stuff. It all starts with a single journey. Have belief in that journey and and just follow it through and you never know where it's going to take you. And I would always want my children to have 
that belief in themselves might be something very small, a, a running a race at a sports day, to starting a, a, a startup of their own. Just have that belief in yourself and, um, and know that I'll always be there to support them in doing that, you know. Awesome perspective. And I think, you know, someone, someone said something to me a little while ago, I don't know if I read it or heard it, which is you have to believe in yourself, right? If you don't believe in yourself, you can't expect anyone else to in the same way. They may, they, they may, but you can't ask them to. The person who you've got most control over is you, right? There's lots of stoic philosophy in the founder world. And it's very true. I would suspect, and I've seen it, uh, when you're going into things like pitches and you're approaching partnerships and, and things like that, if your belief in what you're doing is, is just so up there, it's half the battle won, that that passion and that belief really travels well and can convince other people of your product based on that belief you have. If you go into those conversations kind of not so confident about your product, why would anyone else believe in your product if you don't? You know, Like you just said, it just makes complete common sense. Yeah, I heard something that really made me laugh, which is say, there's a really good way to get lots of confidence in the startup world, which is to go to a private school or be American. It was a kind of unfair, reductive statement about the natural confidence that you often hear about from people who are in either of those camps. But the point was, it's amazing how confidence, wherever you've got it from, is such a valuable kind of ingredient, like the secret sauce, the kind of unspoken thing in the room that can help you carry huge amounts in the start, particularly at early stages of the business when there's nothing else there necessarily, right? There's an idea, a vision and enthusiasm and energy and that's what people are buying into. Absolutely. And I think, not to veer off, off of topic too much, but I think it's such a shame that so many people that come from not so privileged backgrounds will miss out on opportunity because, one, because they're not moving in the circles where those opportunities are presented to them. And two, they might not have that belief in themselves because of, you know, not so great starts in life, etc. And that's something that really upsets me to think of all of the wonderful ideas and things that could be created in the future that might not, because those opportunities will never get taken up because of the, you know, the privilege that some people have and the, and the privilege that some people don't have. And that's a real shame. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think it's really great to see the efforts that the investment community is trying to make in this area, right? The works is at the very beginning of the journey, quite frankly. As you rightly say, if you think about all the great, brilliant businesses that aren't built because of that, what a missed opportunity. Absolutely. I can talk from experience, right? I come from a council estate in South London. I think when I was at Goldman's, there were only two people on the whole floor that didn't have a degree. I was one of them. And my managing director, a guy called Roger, the most senior man on the floor, was the other one. And so I've been through that journey and I just I feel so lucky to, to be where I am and that the journey worked out for me up until this point. And so whatever I can do moving forward is to help those situations I'll surely do. I think that's an absolutely awesome point on which we should wrap up the show. But before we do that, Ashley, um, let's uh, talk about some of the hardest working people we know in the startup world with our regular segment, Startup Shoutouts. Startup Shoutouts. So who's your startup shoutout, Ashley? Do you know what? I speak to so many people in the startup space doing so many good things at the moment. It would be really hard to kind of spotlight a single person. But I spoke with a, a really lovely, enthusiastic and intelligent lady called Helen Turner recently. She's part of a team creating a, a prop tech startup, which seems to be doing some, some really good things and have some really good ambitions and, and goals. And I had a really good a very frank conversation with her. It was really nice just to, to speak to her and bounce ideas off of, off of each other and stuff. I think the more people in the startup world that do that and kind of support each other in that kind of community, 
can only be a good thing and I found it really supportive so yeah my shout outs to Helen thank you for your help and your, your, your support well Ashley that's been an amazing show thank you so much for sharing your, your journey and your story so openly you've got an app launch coming anything that we can watch out for you your team uh, recently and what can we give you a little bit of a shout out on the show for I would just say keep an eye on our, our LinkedIn page we have been developing the app over the last few months and we we have a beta version out now which we we run it on test flight so we've got a limited amount of users on there so we're going to be launching throughout kent um within the next sort of two to three weeks and we're going to be doing that in conjunction with a number of the borough councils and, and various industry partners that we've got partnerships in place with people like the british independent retailers association who we're going to be working with etc so it's really exciting so Keep an eye on our LinkedIn page and that's where we'll be posting news and updates on our launch and when you can download the app and and get involved. Awesome. Well, as I said, it sounds like an amazing initiative. Absolutely the right time, you know, having gone through the difficult bits, hopefully the the surge in energy and enthusiasm towards the high street. Again, I wish you the very best of luck. And again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a privilege. Many thanks to today's guest. You'll find links to them and their work in the show notes. It would really help us if you shared the show with a friend or colleague. So if you know someone who might find this podcast valuable, please pass it on to them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on Twitter at Startup Dad's Pod. 